Good morning, good day, good evening. I'm as always your host, Brody Robertson, and today we have returned for episode 74 of Tech of a T. That is <clears throat> that is actually kind of insane. I don't know how we've managed to get this uh, get to this point. It's been like what? What does that make it? A year and a half? I did take a couple of episodes off here and there, so I reckon about a year and a half we've actually been doing this podcast. That is that's kind of insane. Uh, I managed to fix my camera. I I, I, I I don't know what the, I don't know how the problem happened. Uh, I mentioned this during the sound check, but I'll I'll go over it here as well. So basically, what happened is somehow my shutter speed managed to change. Normally, I run my shutter speed at uh, one over sixty, so I record at thirty fps. Normally, your shutter speed for video is supposed to be double your frame rate, and somehow my shutter speed changed from one over sixty to one over forty. And when you lower the shutter speed, that obviously allows in more light. And when you allow in more light, obviously that means that I can, like, turn these lights down. I think if we turn it down to... Where did I have it? I think it was at, like, this point. This is about where I had it, where I had the shutter speed lower. Obviously, like, <clears throat> this is unusable as it is. But, yeah, it allowed me to turn that down. I don't know how that problem happened, though, because... The controls for the camera are on the back of the camera, which I never touch. Like, I would have to reach my hand around to the back of the camera, somehow touch the shutter speed button, slide the shutter speed control, like, only just a slight bit over, and then click out of the shutter speed. I have no idea how that happened. I don't know. Some sort of magic... I don't know, it's fixed now, so now we're back to the, the lighting looking the way that it should. Most people probably didn't even notice the difference. Maybe you'll notice the difference in, like, the, the background colouring. That's probably the only spot where you could really tell, because it kind of made the um the red and the pink light, so, like, kind of, what's the word? Uh, I guess overblown. Overblown? Overexposed. Overexposed is the correct word. Um, And it didn't look great. I could make it work, but I, I think... I think for now, we'll keep it as it is. Maybe I'll tweak around some settings here and there to maybe have it so I can have my lights less bright. But I think for now, it's going to work basically as it is. At least until I replace the um, the lens and change my f-stop. But until that point, we're going to keep it as it is basically. So I want to get into the uh, the main topic for today. So, over last weekend, I'm recording this on Tuesday, which is a very early time for this uh this podcast be recorded over last weekend there was an announcement by valve so valve announced a new console a new console known as the valve steam deck so basically what this is is a little handheld pc i guess the picture here is showing stardew valley and yeah it, it's not by no means like an original concept like the idea of a handheld pc has been done before it's been done Hundreds of times. Like, if you go to uh, YouTube, search for Linus Tech Tips, you'll find tons and tons of videos going on about these handheld PCs. But this is something actually by Valve. And because it's by Valve, and it's sort of the... the spiritual successor to the Steam machines, it's also going to be running SteamOS. Unlike the older version of SteamOS, though, this one is now Arch-based rather than Debian-based, which doesn't make that much of a difference. Ultimately, like, as long as you've got all the drivers you need, it, it it's going to be fine. I guess Arch is going to be a little bit smaller than Debian, but 
really, it's it's a minute difference. And I guess the way you like update packages, but I'm sure that in SteamOS they'll provide some sort of like graphical utility to do that, rather than having to do it through something like say Pac-Man. Um, so the base doesn't really matter. What has changed massively since the time of the Steam machines, though, is basically the way that um, gaming on Linux actually works. Just as an idea in general, back then, Proton didn't exist. I don't think Lutris even existed. Wine obviously did. Wine's been around for a very long time, but it didn't work anywhere near as well. And you would have to go and like configure games that don't work properly, like as native binaries all yourself. You might be able to find like forum posts about it, but if you can't, you'd have to like work it out yourself. So you didn't have a big library of games with the Steam machines. This is part of the reason why they were a massive, massive commercial failure. Uh, I think according to Wikipedia, they sold less than 500,000 units. I'll just double check that number. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Wikipedia. Yes, thank you. Uh, less than 500,000, but this number doesn't actually have a reference. I could absolutely believe it was that few units, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, um, yeah, the we, we all know that Steam Machines were a commercial failure, and no one really cared about them. They had no games, like, it, gaming on Linux just didn't really make that much sense back then. Nowadays it does, though. So, most of the gaming I do, I've talked about it before, I do on Linux. And while not everything works, like, some things you do have to, like, spend time actually tweaking and messing around with, like, different versions of Proton, maybe trying out Proton GE, maybe deleting some certain files, renaming stuff, changing around some Proton options, things like that. Maybe you will have to go and do that to make it work at all, or maybe, maybe even make it work better. But that is so, so different from back when the Steam Machines launched. Now, even if you, like, most games, even if you don't configure them at all, are probably going to work. So the top 1,000 games on, on uh, ProtonDB are called... Sorry, the top 1,000 games on Steam... Yeah, okay, that's what I was trying to say. The top 1,000 games on Steam have a, at least a gold rating on... I'm my brain is falling apart. The top thousand games on Steam have at least a gold rating on Proton, according to Proton DB. There we go. We got there eventually. That <laughs> that was an absolute mess. So this is really good. This means basically the game works basically perfectly. The only rating above gold is platinum, but playing a gold game, playing even a silver game, is perfectly fine. Once you get to bronze and lower, actually below bronze is forked so just not working at all but like anything below silver uh yeah it, it, that's when you start having trouble silver is playable if you do some tweaking and you get like a lucky hardware configuration gold is basically what you want though things like um doom eternal i believe has a gold rating i don't think it has a platinum i could be mistaken there but it, it doesn't really matter what this means is that if you buy a Steam, I was going to say Steam machine, if you buy a Steam deck, most of your Steam library is going to work. Like, you don't really have to think about it. I've talked about um, my library before, which I bought mainly when I was on Windows, didn't even know Proton was a thing. Most of the games on there work fine. I don't think I have a single game in my library that is actually balked. Yeah. Basically, the only games that 
are really, truly broken are the games that have really, really bad anti-cheat and DRM. I know that... I know that things like Apex Legends, uh, PUBG, um, Destiny 2, a couple of the, like, the really big uh, multiplayer shooters and other big multiplayer games like that don't really work because of their anti-cheat. I know that... Um, I think it's Persona 5 Strikers... That's the... Is it Strikers? What is it called? Strikers or Scramble? I, I, I was, I'm pretty sure it's Strikers. Um, I'm going to check. I know that one also doesn't work. And I'm pretty sure it's because of the DRM. Uh, is it called Strikers? Yes, it is called Strikers. I think... No. Scramble was the uh, previous time they did a, um, a thingy like that. Oh, God. I tabbed out of my screen. Uh, yeah, this game... Apparently, it, it's... it's playable i guess but yeah this game is a mess it that's that's not the common thing you see though this is the common thing you see like most games just working amazingly so i have a feeling that the steam deck is going to do considerably better than the uh the old steam machines did and i think part of the other reason for that is that it's a handheld console Unlike the Steam Machine, where it was effectively just another computer. Like, at the end of the day, sure, it like you, you could just use it as a computer. And most people weren't really in the market to buy a second computer. Especially when it had no games. This, on the other hand, is a handheld console. And a few years ago, I don't think anyone would have really cared about a random handheld system from, uh, from Valve. But the Nintendo Switch has reinvigorated people's love for handheld consoles. I don't know how Nintendo did this, but they have brought back the love for handhelds, and I think this is amazing, because, like, I grew up playing on things like the, the GBA. I played the DS for years of my life. I didn't have a 3DS, um, but I, I played the DS for way longer than anyone ever should own a DS for. I had a, a DS Lite, to be, um, to be specific. Uh, so I got them fairly late. But anyway, I, I, I used it for a very long time. This has actually come out at a really cool time because everyone was expecting a Switch Pro. And Nintendo was like, hey, you know how you want a Switch Pro? Let's not do that. Let's give you a Switch with an OLED screen because everyone was asking for that. When OLED has some pretty severe problems that you wouldn't... like. It, OLED is a the pro okay the problem with OLED is the same problem that Plasma had where they suffer from extreme burn-in. You can burn in with a um an LCD screen. I know people will say you can't, but you absolutely can. It's just much harder, and you need a really shitty screen. Um, but OLED has serious burn-in. So if you play a game that has a HUD, for example, well. That HUD, if you play the game for long enough, is probably just going to be stuck on your screen. And that's a problem. So, I don't really... Okay, one of the things with the Steam Deck is I don't really care about the the hardware per se. So, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of articles out there having this, like, massive hard-on talking about, like, oh, it doesn't have the same level of performance as the Switch or, like, the, the Xbox Series X. Firstly, if you're saying it doesn't have the same level of performance as an Xbox Series X, that makes sense. This is a handheld. This is a hand. 
you can sort of understand like how small this device is relative to an Xbox. So if that's your complaint, like I don't know what what, what you're really saying, and making the argument that it costs the same amount as like a next gen or I guess they're not next gen, I guess like a current gen console, like sure it it does, but also like you're paying a premium because it's a handheld, and when something small like that, obviously, parts are going to be more expensive. Like the Switch, for example. The Switch is also very expensive relative to, like, the power it can provide. But that's not the reason you buy it. The reason why you buy it is because it's a handheld. Um, where was I going with that? Right, handhelds are cool, and I like that they are back. Uh, it also has this really interesting feature that I didn't actually mention in my video. So if we remember the um, the the Steam controller, so those thing that the thing that had like the the big touch pads on it. Is there a picture in this article? Yes, there is. So this controller that had like these touch pads on it. Honestly, I I thought they were weird, but there's a lot of people that absolutely swear by them and say this controller is like the best controller they've ever used. Now, they're not bringing that back exactly, but they do actually have touchpads on here, like with the actual Steam controller. Uh, yeah, like with the Steam controller. So it's got, like, your normal, um, your normal sort of stuff you'd expect. You've got your thumbsticks, you've got a D-pad, you've got your, uh, XBAY buttons, which is, you know, cool. Uh, there's a, like, the triggers you'd expect. On the back, there are, like, what is an, a picture of it in here? Uh... Is there a picture of the back of the control? No, there's not. Okay, but you know how, like, with the um, the Elite controllers, like the, the Xbox Elite controller, how they have the, uh, the, the, the flippers on the back? So this doesn't have flippers, because if they did that, they would get sued. Uh, but they do have buttons on the back that can be remapped, and I think that's cool. Never actually used a controller like that. I am a player that owns, like, a, you know, a regular controller that has no flippers on it, because I don't want to fucking pay $250 for a controller. Um, but they're cool nonetheless. I've used one before, and it was certainly a good experience. So that actually does have these as well. Basically, this has everything you could possibly want from a game controller, uh, attached to a screen. And that's cool. I don't know whether I'm gonna buy one. So, this thing is $400, uh, US. I was gonna say Australian. $400 Australian wouldn't be that bad, actually. So that's the base okay that that's that's the other thing that is the base model now uh the base model is 400 US, uh, 400 usd with 64 gigs of storage uh let's see if we can find the steam deck uh pre-order let's see yeah on the steam deck website cool uh so 64 gigs is the base model, that comes with a carrying case, none of the other models actually have, like, different levels of performance, basically the only difference is, uh, the, the hard drive inside of them. I guess, okay, there is some difference in performance, and that is, like, in the, the speed of the drive, but, I mean, in, like, you know, CPU or GPU performance. So, next model up, I believe that was 529 USD? I could be getting my number slightly off, but that sounds about right. Uh, 256, uh, 256 gig, you get a carrying case once again, you get an exclusive Steam Community Profile Bundle, Oh, you get some badges and shit, um, I really don't care. Um, then the top model is 649 USD, uh, which is a lot of money. 
that's 512 gig, you get the fastest storage. Whoa, the fastest storage. Uh, that comes with a premium anti-glare etched glass. It's an anti-glare screen. Why that's not in the lower end models, I'm not really sure, but... Yeah, you don't get the anti-glare screen on these models, only with the top one. Uh, that's the only other difference besides the actual drive that's inside of it that does exist. You get a different carrying case, or oh, a different carrying case. You get an exclusive Steam Community Profile Bundle, or... Oh, I, I, I'm guessing this is the same one as this? I'm not sure, though. Also, oh, look at this, you get an exclusive virtual keyboard theme, that's... Crazy, and certainly won't be ripped off the device and uploaded online on the first day. Definitely not. I, absolutely not. That's not going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be online on the first day. If that's the reason why you're buying the top-end one, uh, yeah, you're a bit dumb. So, 64 gigs isn't much in the way of storage, but all of them do actually have microSD expandable storage. Which, obviously, isn't the fastest thing out there. But the fact that it exists is good. Because microSD storage is stupid cheap. Uh, let's go to Amazon and find... You know what? Okay, I'm going to do a couple of price ranges. Let's go for 64 gig. So let's say you, like, just don't really care about that much extra storage. You just want a little bit extra. That is... Uh, also, these are Australian prices. I'm going to do US prices. Uh... So that they're actually about the same. So 64 gig, $11. That's not the greatest one. Okay, for an extreme one. Oh, extreme. It's very fast. Uh $15. Okay, I can accept that. Let's go. Uh let's go up to 256. So 256 gig is gonna be $40 for the same one. Okay, that's good. Sure, that's not that much money. Uh let's go 512. 512 is going to be, there's not many in stock, but $85 for 512. Uh, can we get a 1 terabyte microSD? I wonder. I don't even know if these exist. They do exist. $230. Okay. That's, that's a little bit much. I would just go and buy two of, oh, wait, I just... <laughs> I could just click on this. I didn't need a search for it. Uh, so you buy two of these, and then you're good to go. That's a terabyte of storage for $40 less. Sure, you have to, like, swap out the drives, but not that big of a deal. So I would buy one of these, and I would buy the, uh, the lower-end version, like, the 64 gig, save a bit of extra money. I think you would end up saving about $40. The only downside of doing this is you don't get the NVMe storage, so booting up the device loading games, things like that, is going to be quite slow. But if you're willing to do that to save a bit of money, I think it's I think it's worth it. Um, I would not buy it right now. Like, you can pre-order them. I think, I think if you pre-order them now, uh, you'll be put into the second batch, which will ship mid-2022, I want to say. It might be first quarter, but I want to say mid-2022. Um... If you had pre-ordered a couple of days ago, you would have got it by December. Uh, which is... Hey, that's cool and all. Um, I'm, I'm happy to wait, though. I don't care to pre-order it, though. So, we can look at performance, and there is a video by... Uh, what's his name? Give me one sec. 
uh, there's a video by ClicksPhilip. Uh, let's see if we can find it. Uh, Steve Deck. Which channel is it on? It is on Two, Click, uh, two Clicks Philip, uh, where basically he he sort of extrapolated out what the performance actually theoretically should be based on similarly powered uh, CPUs, uh, yeah, and the how many compute units it has and things like that. So this is the uh, Steam Deck at here we go Steam Deck at 1080p. That isn't the performance. Oh, that's not the um the the resolution it's running at though. It's actually going to be running at 800p, or I guess you can call it 720p. It's it's 720p 16 by 10, and I don't remember what um what settings he said he had. Uh, his his numbers were based around. I think he was saying ultra or something like that, which is mental if that's the case. Um. I yeah, I think he was basing his imaginary numbers around Ultra. Uh let's see. This is Resident Evil 3 full eight. Yeah, okay. If he's pulling these numbers out, yeah, it's gonna be based around Ultra. So he has the uh 6700 XT here at 1080p and then compares it uh with theoretically how the uh the Steam Deck should perform. Uh and judging by his numbers, which are very theoretical numbers, these aren't like actually testing the system. This is like, act, this is just, like, running the numbers on paper, and this is what it should do. Uh, you actually get, theoretically, fairly good performance in a lot of very demanding games at high settings. But he uh, extrapolates it out a bit further. So if we skip ahead a bit, I think he includes FSR numbers in here. Yeah, so if you, uh, <laughs> if you use FSR quality, that is the, um, that is AMD's, uh, AMD's, I guess, answer to DLSS, the, uh, deep learning super sampling. Uh, it doesn't work as well, but the, uh, the Steam Deck also has a seven inch screen. So, like, it, it, it doesn't really matter if it doesn't work that well at seven inches. Like, you won't actually see any sort of, uh, any sort of problem there. If these numbers actually even remotely aligned with the real world. Like, getting above 60 FPS is all you need. This is a 60 FPS, a uh, 60 hertz screen on it. So if you can get that, that's perfectly fine. Uh, and even, like, cranks the numbers a little bit stupider and uses, uh, <laughs> uses 7x uh, FSR, which theoretically should let you do ray tracing Battlefield 5 at 120 FPS. Now, I don't know how well these numbers really extrapolate out, um, <laughs> but that would be honestly hilarious if that's the sort of performance you can expect on this system. I... I I will be waiting for independent benchmarks, seeing how well this system actually works. Because you don't really need to run it at max settings anyway. You could run it at, like, medium or high, and it would still look really good once again because a 7-inch screen. If it works really well, I may consider actually getting one. I know it's going to be expensive, but I, I still think it would be a really cool device to own. I may not even use it for, like, for SteamOS. I may just install something else on it just to dick around with it and see what this device actually can do. <laughs> like, 
I think this is just a cool device in general. As I said, though, it's not the first handheld PC. It won't be the last. Some of them, sure, might be better value, might be cheaper, might even have better performance. I don't know of any that fit that last category, at least just yet, but there will be more in the future because this isn't running the most cutting-edge hardware. It's running very modern hardware, but I believe it's running the, um, for its CPU, the an AMD CPU from a generation ago, which isn't a bad thing. Like, this system isn't going to be CPU bottlenecked at all. The bottleneck will be with the GPU. So that's perfectly fine. But I, I, want these, I, I want these numbers to be real. If these numbers are even close to real, let's say at, like, FSR, you get half this performance. Okay, maybe not half. Maybe, like... Maybe like 25% less, because I realized half would actually be below uh, <laughs> below the base numbers in some cases. But let's say like 25% less performance. It would actually be like a really good system. I want to buy a Switch, and I'm still sort of keen on buying one, because the reason why I want one is because there are some games on the Switch that I can only play on the Switch. Buying something like this would be more about if I, you know, go up to my parents' place and I want to play some of the games that I have on my, um, on my Steam library, actually being able to do so. I usually take that time to, like, take a break from the internet, but let's say I, I want to play some games, for example. That would basically be the use case for this, and also, I guess, I guess, you know, laying in bed playing games would be fun. I haven't done so in a very long time. I haven't owned a handheld in ages. So whenever I want to play games, like I'm, I'm sitting in this chair, but it would be nice to have that option again. Uh, yeah, it, it certainly would be. Now, the Valve claims that the battery life for this is going to be somewhere between two to eight hours. That's of gameplay, not just of the system running. Now, what that actually means in real world performance, I don't know. Because whenever you get numbers, like, in-house numbers, they're always going to be a little bit wonky. Like, best case scenario. I do like they gave, like, a massive range like that. That does indicate to me that maybe the numbers are actually relatively real. Like, no company is going to say, hey, here's my handheld console. It gets two hours of battery life. Like, that's, that's an insane number to make public if it's not actually true. So my theory is it actually does get two hours of battery life if you're playing something like The Witcher 3, if you're playing Doom Eternal, if you're playing uh, Cyberpunk, if you want to play Cyberpunk, if you're playing Shadows of the Tomb Raider, things that are actually like really demanding games. But if you're playing something less demanding, let's say you're playing, I don't know, um... Maybe an Assassin's Creed game from a, a couple of uh, years back. Or maybe you're playing, like, not Shadows of the Tomb Raider, but the Tomb Raider game before that. Maybe you'll get more battery life. Maybe closer to, like, four or five hours. I do hope that you will see that eight-hour battery life on more than just, like, really light indie games. I don't want to have to be playing, like, Stardew Valley or Binding of Isaac to actually get the eight hours of battery life. I do hope to see that in... Somewhat more demanding games. This does have a 41-hour battery. Once again, you can't really judge what that's actually going to mean without actually doing proper benchmarks. You can 
theorized based on like similar CPUs and similar batteries, but the only way you can really get proper numbers is actually doing a real world benchmark. And at this stage, uh, the only people that have had a hands-on with it were IGN and Mate. The IGN article was fucking horrible. I'll see if I can find it. Um, first hands-on. Wait, no, that's the video. We want... No, we want this one. Here's the article. This article is so fucking bad. Do not autoplay sound. Um, here we go. Here's my favorite line of the entire article. The OS is built on Proton, a version of Linux that supports both Windows and Linux games and applications. Now, if you know what Proton is, that might be the dumbest thing that you have ever read. What do you mean built on Proton? Proton isn't an operating system. Proton isn't a version of Linux. Like, that literally does not mean anything. That is just, like, words put together in the form of a sentence. That is not a thing that exists. Uh, also, you can tell they didn't actually uh, properly research this because they mentioned alt-tabbing, uh, which you can't do on Linux unless, I guess, they set it up in KDE. It's possible they might have, but I, I have more of a feeling they just said alt-tab without really thinking about it. And there's just so many things in this article which don't make any sense. It was a very, uh, from what I can tell, a very sort of lockdown hands-on experience. It wasn't like they got the uh, the system in their own office and were able to like properly test it. It was like, hey, you're in this locked room. You can use the Steam Deck in here. That's basically what you get. Uh, oh, here's another fun one. So because uh, <laughs> because the system is built on Proton, once again, doesn't mean anything. This flexibility means you can do pretty much anything on a Steam Deck that you can do with a regular PC. You mean on Windows. That's... I, I really hate when people refer to Windows as PC. No, it, it's, it's not... Like, all of these are PCs. Like, a, a Mac system is a PC. It is just running... It is just running Mac OS. Okay. This is... Ignoring that. Uh, connect a mouse and keyboard. Yep, alt-tab out of your games to a browser or video. Sure, load third-party programs or even other game stores like Origin, Uplay, or the Epic Game Store. Uh, you're not doing that out of the box. None of these have Linux native clients. And, the, like, having Proton there isn't going to help you with that unless... Here is the one exception. Unless Valve is doing something that they haven't done before, and that is, I guess, decoupling Proton from Steam and effectively using it like a translation layer for all the Windows binaries you try to run on your system. There's no reason why it can't do that. Proton is just wine with some modifications to make it work better for gaming. Oh, my camera cut out for a moment. Sure. Um, they could very well be doing that. But from what I understand, um, they're not. And IGN literally just has no idea what they're talking about. Which, you know, doesn't surprise me. It is IGN, to be, <laughs> it is IGN, to be honest. It does really annoy me that IGN were the only ones to get a hands-on with this system. If someone who actually knew how to write had, their hand like, had a hands-on with this, that would be cool. 
maybe someone who even just knew what Linux was, just even knew that Linux existed, would at least make this article better. But as it is, it's it's kind of a mess, and it's funny to see articles actually linking back to this article as if this is some, like, good source of information and not just, like, an absolute train wreck that should sort of be laughed at like the Verge PC build. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a cool system. I, I'm considering getting one. Oh, the other thing that uh, no one is actually talking about. So everyone is, or all the articles are saying, ah, oh, well, you don't have to run SteamOS. You could even go and install Windows on it. Now, that's technically correct. You can install Windows. You can install Windows Vista. You can install Windows 7. You can install Windows 10. Ah, uh, Windows 11, mm, not so much. So, <laughs> there's a slight problem this device actually has. It's actually, no, it's not a problem this device has. It's a problem that, it's a problem that Windows 11 has. So, I'll show you the spec sheet for Windows 11. Uh, Windows 11 specs. I believe if we go to the Microsoft website, we should see them. Uh, so we all know about the TPM thing. The TPM thing is dumb, but this does have a TPM chip in it, so doesn't matter. Or I think it actually might support TPM in, fir in firmware. Doesn't matter. That that doesn't really matter. Has DirectX support, sure. It, it It's a modern CPU uh, and a modern GPU. That's fine. This is where it gets interesting, though, with the display. So a high-definition 720p... Uh, <laughs> a high-definition 720p display... Okay, we have that. We have an 800p display. Perfectly fine. That is greater than 9 inches diagonally. That's a problem. So, the Steam Deck has a 7-inch screen. So, is this a hard requirement? Is this going to actually stop you from installing Windows 11 on this system? It might. It very well might. I, I, I don't actually know. I don't know if you can get around this by... Maybe plugging in an external display and installing it like that. Maybe it'll break after you've installed it. I, I I don't know. But this is a really weird restriction that Windows 11 does have. I fully understand not wanting to support devices that have a screen that is that small. If you want to have it just completely break, hey, that's cool. No one's installing Windows on an 8-inch device anyway. Except, I guess, with these handheld PCs. Which, if these handheld PCs actually become, like, a proper device class, Microsoft is going to actually have to actually address that. Did I say actually, like, three times in a sentence there? I think I did. But yeah, Microsoft will... <laughs> will need to properly address this. I... Like with the TPM thing, I don't know how much of a proper restriction it actually is. While we can test it with the uh, the pre-access ISO, that the, the leaked ISO that everyone is like, this is Windows 11. Look at Windows 11. It's basically Windows 10. It actually literally is Windows 10. It's actually running the Windows 10 kernel. It's not Windows 11. It's a very pre-alpha version. We can certainly test stuff with that, but I don't think that's a really fair way to assess what Windows 11 is actually going to be. You can't properly say whether this is actually going to work on Windows 11 until the ISO actually comes out. We can make 
assessments, we can say, oh, we, if we install this old ISO on old hardware, it's going to work fine. And that's what a lot of channels have been doing. They've been milking the absolute hell out of saying, oh, it'll work fine on old hardware. You don't actually need TPM. But it's an early access ISO. So, or I guess a, a early leaked ISO. So we can't really properly say whether that's actually going to be true in the long run. I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft actually does make things like this a hard restriction, even if it is actually going to... This one specifically is actually going to break some of their fairly modern devices. Uh, I see if I can find it, actually. I'm 99% sure there's a bunch of Surface devices that aren't compatible with Windows 11. Surface, uh, Windows 11 compatibility. Uh, here we go. They're, they're like older Surface devices, but older is a fairly relative sense. They are perfectly valid computers, and there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to use it. Um, here we go. <laughs> older devices. The Surface... Oh, wait, sorry. Sorry, th this is one that can support it. My bad. Um, so anything outside of this device range... So, a 2017 or earlier Surface. 2017 is still a perfectly usable system. Like, there's no reason why a system like that wouldn't actually work. But, nope. Not gonna work. So, that would be the, uh, the original Surface laptop. It might be a couple of years old, but there's no reason why that wouldn't work. I, it, why it wouldn't be a, a good enough system. But nope, not good enough for Windows 11. Uh, hey, maybe they'll just go down the Apple route and sort of expect you to upgrade to their newer devices. Regardless of whether you actually want to, if you want to use the new hardware, well, you got to do so. But considering the Windows 10 isn't going to be, um, isn't properly going to be EOL'd until 2025? That does give people enough time to upgrade to a new system. Sure, after like eight years, maybe it's time to upgrade your computer. I know there's people running like ancient ThinkPads who are going to tell me that that's a horrible thing I should be saying. And, you know, you, you shouldn't ever upgrade your computer. Just stick with the oldest thing you can find. But if you do like running relatively competent hardware, sure, after eight years, maybe it is worth actually doing an upgrade. Probably. Maybe after eight years, you actually can buy PC hardware. That would be nice. Uh, it is getting easier to buy GPUs now. So I was looking at GPU prices before on PC case gear, and it's still a mess. Like, you're still paying exorbitant fees. Uh, if we go to... Let's go to the AMD section. I believe there's not really much you can buy in the way of AMD cards. So the 580 sold out. Then you can buy a 6700 XT for $1,100. <laughs> That's a bit much. But, hey, look. They're not sold out. Which is a very, very big improvement. A few... Well, a few months back, I guess? When we scrolled through here, everything was sold out. Like, you couldn't buy anything at all. But, I guess it's, it's getting better now if you're willing to pay a lot of money. It's a little bit better on the NVIDIA side, because NVIDIA does have, like, a much bigger product range, and NVIDIA cards weren't as... 
crazily scalped with the uh the crypto boom. But like you can actually buy mid-range and low-end cards. Like, okay, these cards don't count. No one is mining on these cards. They have always been in stock, probably because this is the stock from when the device actually came out. Uh, but reasonable devices. Things like a 1050 Ti. Obviously, that is a getting a bit old right now, but it, it's still a perfectly competent card in stock. Um, the 1650 in stock. The 1660 also in stock. Like, you can actually buy NVIDIA GPUs now. I don't know what it's like outside of Australia, and I know these prices look absolutely insane. Do keep in mind these are Australian prices, and Australian prices are always a absolute meme. Uh, these are still inflated anyway, but they're not as inflated. Like, you're not paying $1,000 for 1660 for example. Um, $2060, $800, like, you can reasonably buy cards now. $3060, $999. I think in the high end, they are still a little bit scalped. Like, $3090 doesn't count. $3090 is supposed to be expensive. Like, $3080, TI, $3600. For the record, that's more than my car costs. So, let's try the regular 3080. Uh, base 3080, there's some in stock here for $2,800. Jesus fucking Christ, that's insane. But, like, you can buy them. And that's, that's, I think, I think at the end of the day, that is a better situation than we were in, uh, a year back. I still would like them to come back down to, like, you know, reasonable prices. But, if you're in desperate need for a GPU, let's say, I don't know, you sport, you sport, you you poured a bottle of water on your GPU. You can get a replacement now. I wonder what the um the second hand market is like in Australia. I don't ever check the second hand market. Um, Nvidia. Let's go Nvidia GPU. There's a bunch of Quadro cards for thirty to fifty dollars. I'm guessing that a uh. Someone emptied out their render station. $1660, $305. Okay. Uh, $1070 Ti, $405. Uh, a random quadro for $160. Hey, that's cool. Yeah, okay, there's a, there's a reasonable secondhand market that, is, that exists now. I have a feeling um, some of these cards might be ex-mining cards. Uh... Yeah, considering how many, um, how many of the 60 tier devices I'm seeing, I have a feeling some of these are definitely X mining cards. 780 Ti, that's a bit old at this point, but it's still a perfectly competent card. Let's go the AMD side. Let's see what exists over there. AMD GPU. Uh, 480, 580, $202 for a 580. Wow, okay. Uh, 460. I would not pay $250 for a 460 when you can get a 580 for $50 less. That, um, I think you need to update your price, man. Uh, Vega cards for $650. There's not as much on this side. Uh, $580, $540. Like, it's still expensive, but it's reasonably expensive where you can feasibly buy it. Oh, that's an old Fire Pro card for $54. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh lord. Oh, eight. Wait. Oh, wait. How? Thirty dollars for an. Hmm. You know what? That might actually be worth it for thirty dollars. An HD six seven seventy. I think that was the. Wait, when did that card come out? I have a feeling that was like a top end AMD card when I got into PC gaming. Uh, HD six seven seventy. That was from. Thank you, Tech Power Up. No. Uh. Okay. No, I want to. First released in 2011, so that would be when I was 13. Yeah, that actually would have been like a a, a new a new top end card when I got into PC gaming. Oh my god! What was uh, what was the card that everyone from if you bought an AMD card that you were going to buy was the is it the HD seven seven seventy seven yeah HD seven seven seventy yeah yeah that's the card. Look at, look at this thing. <laughs> oh no. Actually, it wasn't even a top-end card. Am I just imagining? Uh, wait, no, no. It was the... um the Oh, what was it called? It's the... HD... Oh. Or was it the... Shit, now I'm forgetting. Uh, it might have been the... HD 70... No, it's the 78 series, wasn't it? It was the 7870. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Um HD 7870? Yes, maybe. I'm I'm forgetting the old names of GPUs. Uh Oh no, this is the uh generation after. Look at this thing. <laughs> Remember when GPUs looked like this? Now we've got like all of these like Fancy metal designs. Man, I want my plastic shrouds back that look absolutely horrible. Like, <laughs> why would you ever buy the reference the reference card? Like, no one ever bought the blower designs because they just they just didn't make any sense. They just blew hot air back into your system. Wait, no, sorry. This fan sucked air and blew it out the back of your system, didn't it? Yeah, but it also would interfere with the rest of your cooling because you probably have your system set up for a um the, the regular fan design rather than, like, the reference design. Like, th these reference cards still exist, but they're better now. Back then, man. <laughs> Back then they weren't. And PC cases have definitely improved since then as well. I guess it wouldn't have been as big of a deal back then because things like uh, Mini-ITX and ITX just in general weren't we're definitely not anywhere near as big. I think ITX did exist, but it wasn't like we were seeing these really tiny form factor PCs like we see today. Like, where you can have these, you know, these things that are basically in a shoebox and get desktop class performance without having to worry about cooling. That is insane. That just wasn't a thing back in 2011. It's cooler than it is now. I like my, uh, my full tower, though. It makes things easy to build in. Is it... Is it a lot of space in my floor? Sure, sure it is. But I guess okay, I guess the mid tower. Um, but st still, takes up enough space. I don't really care though because it's not really in my way. Hmm. Speaking of segways, um, let's get back to this Steam Deck for just a moment. So, I don't know why this is happening. Um. 
but there are Steam Deck reservations on eBay. I wonder if I can find any. I know that eBay was actually cracking down on them, which makes sense because stop the scalpers. Uh, let's see if we can find them. Steam Deck. Oh, there's one right here. Oh, there's a couple of them. $1,200. Uh, $500. Why is your... Oh, it's OBO. Right, that price is actually under the actual price of the pre-order. $4,000? <laughs> Why is it $4,000? Why would you buy that? Who in their right mind? Okay. Okay, scalpers, right? Okay. There are things you can scalp. Shoes. People will pay for that. You can scalp GPUs. People will pay for those as well. I don't think you should do it, but you can. Like, you will have people actually buy them. Why, why, why are you scalping an open pre-order? Like, here's the thing, right? There's no reason for anyone to buy this, this, uh, this scalped Steam Deck. Because the pre-orders are still open. Like, you can order one right now. Like, as of the recording of this, as we are looking at people trying to scalp the device, you can still pre-order it. Sure, you'll get it a bit later than everyone else. But, like, why Why are you scalping it? Like, who is... Why is there 27 bids? Who is bidding on this? Like, I don't understand. I genuinely don't understand. Why is this $4,000? There's not that many here, but like, why is anybody doing that? How are you, how is anybody this dumb and actually paying for this? Like, if you want the 512 gig model, you can get it. Like, they're in stock. You can literally still buy them. How are they getting scalped? This would be like, I don't know, let's say, um, you, you, I don't know, let's, let's think of something dumb. Let's say you buy a loaf of bread, right? And you go to the store, there's a shelf full of bread, but then you see someone outside the store selling the bread for $500. Now, would you give that person money? If you say anything besides no, you're a moron because you can just walk in the store and buy the bread. That's what we're seeing right here. This is this is the bread being scalped. Why? Why would you spend four thousand dollars on this? I, I I don't understand. Actually, better yet, why would you set the price to four thousand dollars? Maybe because they know they won't get four thousand. Maybe they're just willing to accept whatever the best value they actually get from. That's possible. I could see that. But like this one, why? Is there 27 bids? I don't understand. That's so stupid. If you are paying for this pre-order, you need to be taken... You need to have your internet privilege taken away. You are actually a moron. Like, you are genuinely the dumbest person I have ever seen if you put money down on any of these scalpings rather than just buying it directly from Valve. I don't know what to say to you. I, I, I just don't. I don't. But let's see what PC Gamer has to say. Uh, when Valve announced the Steam Deck yesterday, it also revealed a plan to keep resellers from earning profits on them by taking advantage of limited supply, which also doesn't exist uh, because you can just pre-order them and you just get it later. 
Anyone making a reservation must also yeah, there's this as well. So you need to have actually um <laughs> you need to actually have a uh, Steam account prior to June. So if you make a Steam account today and you make a purchase, you can't actually pre-order a uh, a Steam Deck, which I think is actually hilarious. I think they should have made it longer. Like make it so you need to have a Steam account for I don't know for at least four months. That I think is fairly reasonable. Which is absolutely hilarious. Um, but, hey, there's still some people scalping it. I, I just don't understand. Um, one listing a 64 gig unit, for instance, has bidding started at 550 and a buy it now is 750. Uh, one unit has... Is this one still... This one's probably still not listed. No, this was taken down. Um, oh, no, it's... It's sold. Why did it sell? Who bought? Who? Okay, right. Well, okay, look. Let me let me just show you. Right, I. This we Okay, we can go Steam Deck pre-order. Right. Okay, on Google right here we can go to. Okay, this is the as uh, start page. Steam Deck pre-order. Uh, Steam Deck pre-order. The pre-orders are open. Click this button when you're logged in and you can reserve one. So someone spent double that price for no reason. Also, there is a, uh, a reservation fee as well. You have to pay like, it's $5 Canadian, but it's uh, $5 US, so $5.70 Canadian, so probably like $6. Sorry. Yes, $5.70 Canadian, $5 US, probably like $6 Australian. But the um, the reservation fee is actually a part of the cost of the device. So it's not an extra fee on top. 819 Canadian. Okay, I feel... Oh, no, I don't feel as bad. That's actually slightly better than the Australian price. So, like, yeah. The, okay, the only reason why people are pre-ordering it is because... These are the only regions where you actually can pre-order. US, UK, EU, and Canada. So if you're anywhere else, like, you can't pre-order it. But the pre-orders are... Here's the thing, right? Pre-orders are going to open up in these other regions. It's just you'll get the device later. Not not first day. Later. I don't know what's so, what's so difficult about that. Just wait six extra months. It's fine. You already don't have a Steam Deck. You haven't had a Steam Deck your entire life. You can wait a couple extra months to get one. This is dumb. People are dumb. Stop doing it. Scalpers, keep doing it because that makes you look really dumb. And actually, no, keep scalping it because that means you won't be scalping things that actually make sense to scalp. Yeah, so keep wasting your time doing that. Uh, buying reservations for things that people shouldn't be buying, but yeah, Steam Decks. <laughs> I think that's as much as we can milk the Steam Deck topic for at this point. Uh, we've been talking about it for almost an hour. Oh, I don't know how that happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> what else do we have on this list? Uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about some uh some more gaming so i'll find the picture but lately i've been streaming ender lilies but i had to stop streaming it because of a problem that i had with proton uh so normal proton issues are things like oh the game 
slightly broke. There's like a bit of lag. Maybe like a texture doesn't load. Uh, this is the first time I've seen a problem that is this bad. So let's see if, if you're watching the, if you're listening to the audio version, obviously you won't be able to tell, but basically what we're seeing on the screen on my phone right here, uh, that is my GPU driver completely crashing. So all three of my monitors basically completely died. Like look at my back monitor there. It is just an abs. Okay. It's actually looking real weird on the, the screen there, but like everything died. And that happened every time I tried to fast travel. Uh, and Ender Lilies has a big map. So if you don't fast travel, basically getting around the map is going to take a while. So effectively, the game is unplayable with the configuration that I have, I, uh, that I have set up. I actually had it crash during a stream. So I was playing it, it crashed, like, okay, sure. Maybe that's just a one-off thing. G games sometimes crash like that. I tried again, it crashed again. So I just had to accept that it was broken and do something else. So I ended up playing uh, Hades for the rest of that stream, which is fine. I love Hades. It's a great game, but I, I wanted to play Ender Lilies. I am going to have to like mess around with my Proton settings, maybe try a different version. So right now, I think I'm running like um, Proton GE 6... 14 something I, th I think that's what it's running uh but i'll tweak it around with like different uh, different proton versions see if one of them works if they don't i guess ender lilies is just going to be shelved for a while at this stage i am going to shelf it though uh just because i, I don't want to have a problem where it breaks again and I'm more than happy to play something new so i'm probably gonna start playing celeste on stream which is going to be fun because I was, I was talking to Ronson and he was like, oh, I just died like 2,000 times. Or was it 4,000? Correct me in the comment section how many times you died. I think it was... Wait, no, I think he said 4,000. Which reminds me very heavily of uh, Super Meat Boy. I honestly lost track of how many times I died playing through that, uh, playing through that game. But it's a platformer, and that's it, it's a, it's one of those it's one of those challenging platformers, one of those ones where you are sort of expected to die and die and die over and over and over again. So that's that's gonna be fun. And if you want to see me rage quit a game, um, yeah, that that's gonna be the the one to show up for. <laughs> I bought it during the Steam sale for a couple of dollars, and look at this. Like this just has the uh the markings of this is a game that's going to make you suffer. It doesn't look that difficult, but I imagine there's lots of things in this area that will just kill you the instant you touch it. I think these little blobs here probably will, and like, I don't know how you'd get through that, maybe like jumping above it or jumping through there, and the spikes down here, which will probably kill you as well. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing kills you and something else in here. It's one of those games. <laughs> it's one of those games, but... It, it sounds like fun. I haven't played a, a proper difficult platformer in a very long time. Uh, the, last, the last one I played probably was probably was Super Meat Boy. So years and years ago. <laughs> I have played some platformers since then, but mainly they have been like platforming as a secondary thing or they've been mascot platformers. And most mascot platformers aren't 
that challenging because most of them are intended to be kids games so you can't make the game that difficult otherwise you know uh th that's not going to go too well here we go here's a great example of what celeste is so spikes here spikes here spikes here spikes here spikes along the ground spikes along the ground so you have to somehow get from here over to here going through these like things here without dying uh, I don't know how they work because I haven't played the game, but <laughs> it looks, it, theoretically, it should be easy if you know what you're doing, but that's the thing. I don't know what I'm doing, so it's not going to be easy whatsoever. I'm, I'm excited to play it though. I don't know how long the game is and how long, okay, actually no, there's two different questions there. I don't know how long the game is, and I don't know how long the game is going to take me to finish. Because I have a feeling those numbers are going to be very separated. Probably in one very obvious direction. <laughs> I am going to finish the game in considerably longer than it takes to actually finish, if you actually know what you're doing. Video games. Ah, <laughs> uh, video games. I could build a spot with something on my PS4. Like, I've got Cyber Dimension to play. Uh, I could play, like, Neo. I could play, like, I don't know. I've got random stuff there that I could play. But I kept saying I was going to play Celeste at some point. So I will live by my promise. We'll finish this game and maybe go back to Ender Lilies and see if I can, like, get it working. Maybe go play something else. Uh, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to put in Kingdom Hearts' spot if I don't go straight into, into Rechain of Memories, I'm going to say, is the second game. I think Rechain of Memories... Yeah, I think it should be Rechain of Memories and then... And then 2. I'm going to check Kingdom Hearts' release order, actually. Because uh, I don't remember. Kingdom Hearts' release order. I'm going to play the games in release order. I don't know. I, I could play them in, in any order, but we're going to play them in re uh, release order. Uh, so it's one, Chain of Memories. Okay, I was right. Two, 358, Birth by Sleep, Recoded, Dream Drop, and then Cross. Uh, cross, then Birth by Sleep, Fragmentary Passage, then three. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I do like Birth by Sleep. It's a fun game, even though the trio in this game, you know, is like discount first game trio. But hey, Ventus is cool. Ventus looks like Roxas, and that's cool. And he holds the Keyblade backwards because, I don't know, he's an edgy boy or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know what I'll fill that spot with. Maybe I'll even play something on Steam. I don't know. I've got, I've got so many games that I could play. It's just a matter of deciding which one to actually play. That's the ultimate question, isn't it? Maybe I'll even go play, like... I don't want to buy Yis 9 just yet. I want to wait for the price to actually come down. Maybe I'll buy it during, like, the Christmas sale or something. Uh, but I will be playing Yis 9 at some point. And I may play it on stream. Um, I want to obviously finish Yis 8 first. But, you know, it, when I do finish it, there will be more Yis games on my channel. Uh, I guess I haven't even streamed this one, but yeah, it, it will be on the channel at some point.
Uh, maybe we can go play one of the older games. Maybe like, uh, I don't know, Year 7 or something. Year 6? Maybe Year 6. I don't know. I'll work it out sometime in the future. That's a, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a future Brody problem. But now I will just, uh, I will just in, in enjoy, enjoy what I'm doing. Um, speaking of enjoying what I'm doing, I got a amusing sponsor email. Actually, I think today. I don't know what the date actually was on it, but I will check that. Uh, regardless, though, we are going to read said sponsor email because, <laughs> man, this company, this company really, really does know how to, like, how to, how to market towards me. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> so, this is from a company known as Ambit VPN. Actually, I will, uh, I will put the information, uh, in a spot where you guys can see it. So, if we copy that. Yeah, no, if we save that, and then I go into there and there, and is that it? Wait, no, that's not the one. That one? Yeah, that's the one. There we go. Um, so you should be able to kind of read that. It's going to be a little bit small, but yeah, you can probably read it. Um, if you can't, I'm going to read it out anyway. So this is from a company known as Ambit VPN. Now, I've made it very clear my opinion on doing a VPN, uh, a VPN paid sponsorship. And... What I've made clear is I'm not fucking doing it. You can go away with your VPN nonsense, unless it's going to be something about, like, setting up your own VPN you're hosting yourself. I want absolutely nothing to do with actually, uh... To do with setting up... Or to do with, uh, being involved with a VPN. It's a way to lose your audience's trust when there is a hack on it, and they lose their data... And all of it turns out that even though they say they weren't keeping logs, they actually were keeping logs. It's just a mess, and I don't want anything to do with it. Um, but as for the email, hi Brody Robertson. Okay, fairly fairly businessy. We actually got my name correct. That's an improvement over some of the emails I get. I follow your channel. Oh, do you now? Do you now? We are a growing U.S. veteran-owned privacy company. I don't know why they included U.S. veteran. I'm not. I'm not from the U.S. That's not going to pull up my heartstrings like it would from like from someone in the states. But sure, okay, you're a bunch of U.S. veterans. That's cool. You're making something of your life after leaving the military, presuming you're not. Uh, you're not claiming false honor, which, as we go on with the email, you might see. Uh, we want to possibly work with you via our affiliate program or another deal structure. Are you offering me some sort of questionable paid partnership? Like, what is this? Is it a affiliate program or is it not? Make up your mind. Uh, you're the one offering the deal here. So usually you set the terms and then we go back and forth trying to decide on what we can agree is fair. So you are an informed and sophisticated influencer that values privacy and freedom. You lost me that the second you called me an influencer, I stopped paying attention to what you were saying. But sure, okay, I am an influencer that values privacy and freedom. Sure, okay. 
Would you be interested in discussing a paid promotional deal? I'd be happy to walk you through what we do and why we think there would be a fit. I didn't actually realize there was a mistake there. Okay, actually, it makes it even funnier. I'd be happy to walk you through what we do and why you think there would be a fit. <laughs> do you mean, like, why why I would fit? Like, why, why, your why your business would fit with my channel? Is that what you're trying to say? There would be a fit. Are you guys going to throw a fit when you see this? Maybe you will. Uh, so ambitvpn.com does the following. We will check their website in just a moment because, man, their website their website also has some questionable things on it as well. So, <laughs> first point already has me like, okay, guys. <laughs> like, if you're, if you're trying to get me to actually work with you, don't include this in your promotional email. So... The first thing it does is speed up mobile downloads. I call bullshit first off. A VPN is going to slow down your speed. But let's say, I don't know, you have a really bad DNS and using the VPN changes that DNS. Fine. Okay. You might get a slight performance boost. Increase speed from 2.3 megabits to 110 megabits in this test. So, for those of you out there who can't do maths, that would be over a 50x speed improvement. Are you, are you actually telling me that your VPN can offer me a 50x speed improvement? Even if it can do that, right? Let's say you've created some magical VPN that speeds up your connection. Even if it can do that, don't tell me. That just makes you sound like a scam. Don't tell me you can do that. That sounds ridiculous. So also we have the general VPN stuff, you know, stop data sharing when you visit websites. Hi uh, even though you're going to have cookies and, you know, that's going to share information anyway. Uh, hide your home phone. Wait. Sorry, home phone. Hide your home location from data sharing companies on the internet, even though... If you're using geolocation services, that's not going to happen. Stop censorship by unlocking websites and geoblocked video streaming services. Okay, that's the first thing that actually is what a VPN does. This is the only thing that a VPN is actually good for. If you are using a VPN for privacy, you're an idiot. Like, you're genuinely an idiot. Because what's going to happen is the VPN service you're using is keeping logs. They will tell you your, that, that they're not keeping logs, but they're probably keeping logs. And this has been true every time there's been a data leak from any VPN. If you're using it for anything where you actually care about privacy, stop using a VPN and go and set one up yourself. If you care about watching American Netflix in Australia, or you want to watch something on the BBC and you live in America, in that case, yeah. A VPN is a really great service. Now, here's where we get to the next fun one. They're not Chinese-owned. I didn't assume you were. Until you told me that, I did not assume you were a Chinese company. 62% of VPNs are secretly Chinese-owned companies. I don't know where they got this number from. And secondly, if they're secretly owned, how do you know... <laughs> like, if they're secretly owned, how do you know that? 
six Chinese companies own 30% of the world's VPNs. They should be using Ampit VPN. Are you saying like the Chinese government should be? So here we go. They literally contradict their own point in the same line. 62% of VPNs are secretly owned by Chinese companies. Okay, so 62% of are owned by Chinese companies. Right. Six six Chinese companies own 30% of the world's VPNs. So is it 62% or is it 30%? Because these lines mean the same thing. So which one is it? <laughs> Literally, which one is it? I don't understand. Like, you're making numbers up out, like, firstly, can you at least make your made-up numbers actually be consistent? Like, I don't understand how this email is so bad. Oh, uh, okay. Let's go to the Ambit VPN website where, man, they, they, they get even more fun there. So, <laughs> here's the first fun thing. So, it is a... <laughs> It is a post-quantum encryption superior VPN performance. No backdoors, no logs ever. How many passwords do you need in a single sentence? Post-quantum encryption. What does that mean? What, like, what, what, what is post-quantum encryption? You've just made... like. I'm going to look this up. I've never heard that term before. They could very well have made that up. So, post-quantum... Oh, wow, there actually is a thing called post-quantum encryption. Post-quantum encryption. It just sounds like bullshit because <laughs> the rest of this sentence is just like word salad. So... Quantum proof, quantum safe, or quantum resistant. So this is, I guess, I guess, encryption that is safe from quantum computing. Okay, fair enough. It just sounds ridiculous when you put it in a sentence like this. Superior VPN performance. Wait, superior VPN performance, no backdoors. There's supposed to be a comma right here. No backdoors, no logs ever. When you say there's no backdoors, that makes me feel like there is a backdoor. Because, you know, we're not owned by China. <laughs> oh, okay, enduring digital privacy. As early as 2021, where is this linking to? I want to see. <laughs> they link back to their own website. You can't use your own website as a source. <laughs> oh my god, they've got a... <laughs> Quantum decryption. <laughs> will be available. Oh my god, this is amazing. So, as early as 2021, quantum computers will decrypt traditional security tools. Ambit VPN uses WireGuard, a new modern and secure network technology, and quantum resi uh, resistant cryptography, uh, cryptography to prevent anyone from recording and decrypting your private information. We call this enduring digital privacy. Now, WireGuard isn't new. Like, WireGuard VPN, like, most of the big VPN providers use WireGuard. So, uh, you can get, look, you can literally get it with ExpressVPN. Oh. 
So here we go. Complete list of WireGuard VPN providers. Uh, so NordVPN, Molvad, PIA, StrongVPN, iVPN, CyberGhost, Azire, ViperVPN, VPN.ac, TorGuard, MozillaVPN, HideMe, Surfshark, OVPN, and what are the other ones? Cactus, WideVPN, and Windscribe. Literally every major VPN supports WireGuard. So, sure, okay. We're the only ones who do it. We this is this or I guess do they say they're the only ones they're the only ones who do it? No, they just advertise themselves like they are the only ones. Right. Post quantum and non-TLS networking. Most market leading VPNs use TLS. TLS is broken. This is why No, they actually are claiming they're basically the only ones who do it. This is why Ambit VPN uses a modern networking stack based on WireGuard combined with modern NIST PQC candidate encryption. Our post-quantum solution will protect your communication and privacy for years to come. I have a feeling the other VPN providers are going to step up. If they haven't already. As we've seen by the fact that all of them already support WireGuard. Here we go. Unleash your true internet performance. Ambit VPN's network technology increases the performance of your devices. Users frequently <laughs> users frequently report speed increases of 50 megabit or more. No, they don't. That is a number that you have made up. That is not a real thing. You can't just say that <laughs> you get a 50 megabit improvement. That's not a real thing. Oh my god. Wait, I, what's the guy's name who contacted me? The guy's name is... Wait, the guy's name is Lewis? Okay, no, this is... They're their testimonials. I thought I was their, their team. Um, let's see. Uh, they've got a, why have they got a Vimeo? Let's go... To, wait, they've got a GitHub? Is that a GitHub? No, it, do <laughs> it doesn't. Wait, wait, wait. All of these buttons... Oh my god, all of these buttons actually... Wait, do they all link back? No, their Facebook and Twitter do link to their Facebook and Twitter. But these two here, they've just included because it's a part of their template. Oh, just didn't even bother removing them. Okay, let's go to the FAQs. Let's find out... Uh, is there anything fun here? Okay, no, this is all boring stuff. My VPN stopped working on iOS. Uh, no, that, yeah, that's boring stuff. No one cares about that. Uh, let's go to Made in the USA. Oh, look at this. There's an eagle. I wonder if they mentioned China anywhere on here. Uh, proudly based in the USA. Uh, the USA is the strongest record of individual free speech. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, they don't mention China here. Why are you not mentioning China? I want you to mention China. Wait, what is that? Speed test? Oh, <laughs> you... okay, this is not your tool. You link to open speed test. Oh my god, okay. Beautiful. Um, I love this. This is actually amazing. For the record, um, if you guys are listening, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna work with you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not going to work with a company that claims to provide a 50x performance improvement. I'm not going to work with a company that claims that you can get up to or upwards of 50 megabit improved on your speed. Those are lies, and you shouldn't have them in there. How much is it? It is $7 a month for the first 12 months. That is really expensive for a VPN. Holy shit. Wait, am I just forgetting how much VPNs cost? Let's go check out Virtual Shield. Um, I think that is the, um... That is the... Uh, American price as well. Yeah, this is American pricing. They don't actually have, uh, US... Pr uh, they don't have Australian prices listed. So, Virtual Shield. That just happens to be what I'm currently using. Um, not because I care about Virtual Shield or anything and would recommend them. Pick a VPN based on the one you like. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, do, 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 do. Virtual Shield. Start your... Can we just see a price? Okay, Virtual Shield. Why do you make it hard to find a price? Virtual Shield price. Okay, maybe it's... No, okay, I guess it is cheaper. No, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I just forgot how much VPNs cost. It's actually $3 cheaper than uh, Virtual Shield. And that's on the 12-month plan. It's actually way cheaper on 24-month. Okay, fair enough. It's it's cheap. Uh, but they also offer you literally imaginary numbers. I, I do like the, uh, the Quantum Countdown, though. <laughs> quantum Countdown is uh, certainly a fun one. Uh, so apparently in 163 days, it will, we will hit quantum decryption at, wait, as early as 2021. Does it know what year it is? Is it? Wait, hold up, hold up a second. How many days until the end of the year? Wait, <laughs> I have a feeling. Uh, how many days until the end of the year? I have a feeling there's 163 days left. Let's see. Let's, let's see. Uh, there is... Uh, <laughs> I know what that clock is. I know what... <laughs> I know exactly what this is. So, <laughs> what this is, this is a counter that counts down to the end of the year. And when the year ends, it's going to reset. That's cheeky. And I do like the fact that they say that um, decryption is going to be broken by the end of 2021. And then the graphic they show is 2025. So, like, is it 2021? Is it 2025? Like, could you at least have found a picture that actually corroborates what you're actually saying? Sure, we should be uh, finding something. Wait, what? Are you feeling lucky? Variational quantum factoring, potential decryption of all classical encryption worldwide. Four years sooner than expected. But this also says here that it's going to happen in 2025. So this graphic is a fucking mess. Uh, so, um, Ambit VPN is a questionable 
questionable VPN company. Um, but hey, here's the here's the CEO of uh, <laughs> the CEO of Bitrex, who is saying Amber is going to change the world. <laughs> I didn't read these testimonials. Uh, who is this? The CTO of My Republic Telecom. For those who believe in the fundamental right of privacy, Ambit is the only choice. Uh, Corey Franzmeier, an eight-year former Google executive. Free speech is truly free with Ambit. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Co-founder and chief scientist at Remedy. This is the Berlin Wall coming down on the internet. <laughs> And here we go. Here's a retired Navy SEAL. Because as we know, retired Navy SEALs uh, know a lot about computers. That's that's not saying retired Navy SEALs are bad people. But I, 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 I don't think that's their wheelhouse and what like they're an expert in. Ambit's breakthrough technology is bringing a global declaration of independence to all of humanity. <laughs> what, what does any of this mean? Oh... This is a mess. I love it. I'm going to show you what like a good sponsorship email looks like. This is from a company I'm probably not going to work with. Um, but this is like how you would actually do one. So <clears throat> this is from a company called Deep Remix. Uh, hey, how's things? Big fan of your YouTube channel. Great content. Firstly, you've never watched my YouTube content Otherwise, you would know that sending me that email wouldn't have mattered. But that's like normal PR speak. Everyone says that, like, regardless of whether they actually even know what your name is, they can be like, oh, I love your content. This, your, your channel's so great. Insert name of influencer here. Uh, I, I've seen emails like that. So Deep Remix is basically going to be a program that lets you, I guess, remix audio with AI and other stuff. And basically the email just goes over, like, what the software does doesn't give you any crazy ideas. It's not like, oh, it will, like, reproduce uh, works of musical art for you. It's like, hey, for musicians and vocalists, Deep Remix can also be used for learning, practicing, and performance purposes as you can isolate and mute any part in an audio file. Hey, that's cool. Uh, free copies can, of course, be provided. Oh, no, that's, uh, that's about what they'd be providing me to actually uh, show it off. And then they have a bit at the bottom, basically being like, hey, this is what we do, this is how much it costs, uh, this is what we're willing to offer you. That is a normal sponsorship email. Ambit, Ambit is a very interesting company. Sort of in the, I get the same vibes from them that I get from any of those emails I get from, like, sketchy um, Chinese key resellers, where they're like, hey... Would you like to get game keys for, like, $20 less than they actually cost? Even if that $20 is going to mean that we're paying you to take the game keys. They're so cheap, we don't even want them. Like, it's that same level of sort of scammy nature from them. Um, not saying that Amber is a scam, but, like, those numbers and what they're showing... Yeah, they, they don't make you look good. They actually make you look way, way worse. If you just didn't say that altogether it would look better drop the china stuff you don't know that you don't know that 62 percent and 30 percent of vpns are owned by china you just made that up you don't you don't actually see people getting 50x performance by running your vpn that is absolute nonsense like stop it 
This is a good email, though. More companies should actually properly, uh, properly contact people like this. Ever since I've been, like, getting more and more subs, I've been getting more and more of these emails, and you start to notice, uh, you start to notice a very, very, very common trend. Oh, here's one from, um, from iMyPhone. Here's another one which is a good email. I just don't really care about working with them. Um, <clears throat> they, uh, <laughs> I do know this one is a, uh, we don't actually know your name. Uh, we just sent this out to as many people as possible. Um, where is my, wait. Uh, actually, I just realized that. <clears throat> Actually, no, no, I can take a picture of that. Yes, I tried to take a screenshot and uh, I copied the picture rather than saving it. And I was like, where did the picture go? Uh, here we go. Now, now we can do that properly. Uh, that one? <clears throat> okay, that's actually very small and you can barely read it. Um, dear sir, which is always a good start. Like, I don't know your name. Dear sir. So this is... Denzi from iMyPhone, a company devoted to providing technical solutions for iOS and Android devices, Windows, P uh, Windows PC, and Mac. Firstly, I know that you don't actually know about my channel because your product isn't supported on Linux and you're trying to get me to do a video on it. Um, <clears throat> deeply impressed by your creative videos on... Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go. Deeply impressed by your creative videos on insert creator name right here. I like how they even like bold it and make it italics just to make sure you know that they have no idea who you actually are. As we know, you are a professional in reviewing products in this field. It would be gr our great honor if we could invite you to review our well-performed product. Filme, Filme Software and Experience. Phil, I don't know why there's an E on the end of that. Film a software and expose it on your channel. Uh, on actually, no, it actually is called film a film. I'm, I'm guessing that maybe there's supposed to be an accent there. I'm just gonna call it film now. Film is a smart software that helps the user to edit videos like a pro, making stunning slideshows with graceful templates, providing abundant effects and resources, filters, titles, animations, transitions, music, and more. And you can also share your unique moments, birthdays, weddings, travel festivals, and etc. You know, stuff that video editors do. Now, the one part I don't like about this email is how they end it. So, <clears throat> thank you for your time. Please kindly let us know your price for a full video if you are interested. We know you're a professional in reviewing products in this field. Let us know your price. Uh, what you're asking for is a paid review, and that is illegal. So, um, no. No, I'm not doing that. <clears throat> but, like, this is another funny email. Like, this... Emails like this are the sort of emails you start to get whenever you get a reasonably sized channel. And, for the most part, you can just ignore them. In a couple of months, they'll contact you again and decide to send you the exact same thing. Maybe this time they will actually have their formatting correct and not put a new line where your name is supposed to be. I, I love that that's there. That just indicates to me that a person didn't write this. That was a AI generated email they just sent out to as many people as they could possibly find. Anyone like 
in the tech sphere probably got that email. Which is actually good for me if I'm being added into these lists. That means that I might get emails from companies that don't make shit products. But you can always tell when you actually get a... You, you can always tell when you get an actual real email. Because they'll say things like, Hi again, Brody. Do you have any questions about how blockchain domain NFTs work? Uh, we also have a affiliate program if I'd be happy to chat about on a quick call. So this is someone trying to get me to like shield their um shield their crypto domains or something. Ship uh, shield their NFTs. I I don't know exactly what they're doing, but like you can very easily tell when it's actually a, a email written by a person. It, it's very obvious. But they're, they're sort of like the rarity. Like the Linode email I got, for example, that was actually written by a person. They knew what videos I had actually made. They knew video... They, list, they literally listed out videos that related to their content. And it's like, okay, you guys did your research. You know that this is my channel. You know what sort of videos I make. You know why you would actually make sense on my channel. That's the sort of company that I think actually is great to work with. <sighs> Not ones that don't even attempt. Not not ones that don't even try anything at all. I'm not that desperate for money where I'm willing to like shill or like shill just nonsense and just throw away any reputation that I could possibly have. Hmm. What is this? I might reach back to actually no, that was like <clears throat> Oh, now looking at it, that was a month ago. What so that was two months ago. Uh, someone tried to get me to shield some, uh, some domains. Maybe I should have contacted them, actually. That actually might have been a, um, might have been a fun one to do. Uh, but we're here now, so. So, yeah. Um, I could honestly keep reading sponsor emails all night. I, I don't delete most of them. I kind of keep the funny ones around and just laugh at them from time to time. When I need to see something that is just genuinely dumb, um, I, I, I occasionally go and look at them. Uh, speaking of dumb things, but this is actually a cool dumb thing. This is a... <laughs> I don't know why someone made this and why it, it's a project going on. This is someone basically remaking Bloodborne, but as like a PS1 art style. Like, it's really cool. Like, I, I wasn't big on, uh, I wasn't big on PS1 games. I played a couple of things like Crash Bandicoot, but I, I think this just looks cool. And I, I kind of want to play it. I actually haven't finished Bloodborne. I need to go back and actually do that at some point. But this just looks really neat. I, I know it's still a very much a work in progress. Um, so at some point it will be done. But just look at this. It's so cool. Oh. I'm just, I just want to watch this video. I, I know there's no audio. Actually, here we go. I'll play the audio a bit. Even it has like PS1, like audio on PS1 uh, music as well. What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, this is, <clears throat> this is a project called Bloodborne PSX. And if you want to go support them, 
go and do so. Because I like the idea of fan projects like this being made. And hopefully uh, From Software doesn't go and do something stupid and be like, or, you know, we don't actually like this existing. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna, like, uh, we're gonna, like, DMCA this. This is, uh, this is something we're gonna DMCA. Because there have been some, uh, some situations where that actually has happened. Here we go. Here's a fight with the Cleric Beast. Uh, let me skip past this ad. Um, oh, no, wait. That's the music, sorry. Uh, oh, here's the Cleric Beast fight. Here we go. That's what I want to show. <laughs> Look at it. It's just cool. Okay, there's clearly missing textures at this point, but early game. I, I, I want to play this. Like, the more that I look at it, even though I actually haven't played through all of Bloodborne, the more I look at this, the more it makes me actually want to play this. Like, it just... There is something about the PS1 and, like, 3D action games, like, styled like... Uh, like uh, Styled like that, or 3D action games actually like were on the PS1 that sort of have this appeal that we've lost over time. We've sort of focused too much on having, like high quality graphics that <clears throat> we've lost a lot of the charm that existed with a lot of these earlier games and there are a couple of games out there that try to like recapture the ps1 style some better than others but i think this one actually does it really really well and for a game like bloodborne i think it actually works quite well as well like the theme is something that you would have seen on a PS1 action game, having something with like that dark, um, that that dark sort of theme like Bloodborne does have, sort of fit uh, fit with the era. <clears throat> this is just cool though. I don't know how far it's actually progressed. Is Bloodborne on PS1? No, that's not. That's not what. God. I, I hate Google's uh, people also ask questions. Some of them are great. Some of them are not so much. What is a Sony PSX? Oh, there actually was a thing called a PSX. <clears throat> okay. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, this is actually kind of cool. Uh, I did have something else on here I wanted to talk about. Think it was gameplay related. Um, <clears throat> sorry if I'm making throat noises. I'm actually uh, recording this on Tuesday, which is not normally when I record stuff. Usually I do it like Wednesday or Thursday. Tuesday, the problem with it is I record four videos on Tuesday. So the, by the time I actually get to doing the podcast, like my throat is already like scratchy and all that, you know. Because um, I've already recorded like for six hours, like, speaking for six hours, that's, that is too much speaking, so, yeah, may maybe, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't, but this week is also kind of a bit of a mess, because this is the only day where I'm not working my, um, my regular day job, so I, I kind of just wanted to get it done now, because it would, uh, just, just make it a bit easier for the rest of the week. Um, I did find the thing that I was actually going to, uh, going to talk about, though. So, <clears throat> uh, this was a thing about the DMCA stuff. 
Uh, Take-Two has been issuing takedowns for GTA mods. Two mods were, uh, were... Two very popular mods were taken down. Vice Cry and GTA Underground. Now, I'm not into, like, the, the GTA modding scene, but hearing about what these mods actually do makes me want to use them. And stuff like this is why I love the idea of game modding. So... GTA, uh, GTA Liberty City was a total conversion that brought the setting of GTA, uh, GTA 3 into Vice City's engine. That is just cool. That is just really cool. Um, let's see if we can actually find pictures of... Actually, we can probably find videos of it, can't we? Um, GTA... Let's see. Uh, GTA... Liberty City mod. Uh, let's okay. That's not showing it up. Uh, GTA Three in Vice City mod. GTA Three Vice City mod. Here we go. Um. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. I'm not going to play the ad. I'm not, you're not going to see the ad because I don't want you to see it. Um, don't play two ads. What are you doing, mate? What are you doing? Um, okay, here we go. Uh, basically, yeah, it, it's 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 GTA three in Liberty City, which hey is cool. Um, which makes the game look. Slightly better because it's still in it's still in the uh the uh I'd just say Liberty City. It's a uh, GTA three in Vice City, so it just makes the game look a little bit better. But it is still Vice City, so like you know, <laughs> still Vice City. Uh, but the other one is actually an even cooler mod, and that is GTA Underground, which combined the maps of not just GTA three Vice City and San Andreas, but also the mods for Bully. Uh, also the uh, the maps for Bully, Manhunt, and Manhunt 2. Then added Gang Warfare. Like, okay, sure. Gang Warfare was actually a really cool feature from uh, San Andreas. Um, so are the mods converting San Andreas into ports of console exclusives, Liberty City Stories, and Vice City Stories? And that's not all. Uh, a GT Forums... Uh, on a thread on GTA forums has been cataloging the removals, as well as noting that Rockstar's statement on single-player mods, initially made during the back-and-forth over modding tool, are uh, open for in 2017, in which many modders have been assuming would protect their uh, their work, uh, was quietly updated in 2019. It now notes that it does not apply to either the use or importation of other IP, including other Rockstar IP, or making new games, stories, missions, or maps. <laughs> so. Your mods won't be protect, uh, protected if you make new games, stories, missions, or maps. Uh, missions and maps and stories and games. That's literally saying your mods will, will not be protected and we might DMCA them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my lord. That's, that's actually really dumb. I see, let's see if we can find something about GTA Underground. Because uh, that actually sounds really, really cool. GTA Underground. <clears throat> uh... 
GTS San Andreas Underground gameplay. Here we go. But here's the thing, right? You can take these mods down on, like, the official channels. But you you can't take the mods down. They'll, they'll exist still. You can still find them on the internet. So this is inside of the San Andreas map, which isn't, you know, that crazy. This is a San Andreas mod. Um... Well, let's go to another city. So you, you just literally fly outside of the map and you can fly over to Vice City. That's that's so cool. That is actually really cool. You can also fly over to Liberty City. Uh, so that's still Vice City there. We skip ahead. Now we are in Liberty City. That's so cool. Like, what the hell? And you can fly over to some of the other uh, games in the Rockstar world. Basically making it so all of these games exist in the same universe. That's awesome. I don't know if it, like, adds any content that's worth actually, uh, worth actually playing. Or if it's just, like, having the maps in the same world. I don't know much about the mod itself. But just knowing that this exists is cool. And, like, having something like this out there is cool. Like, I, I, I don't know why you would go and DMCA a mod for a game that came out years ago. Like, the only reason that... Yeah, the, I, I can't think of a reason why you would do that. Like, these mods are what keep people actually playing older games. Like, no one's buying San Andreas because they haven't played it yet. Like, maybe one person, but most people who are buying copies of San Andreas, copies of Vice City, copies of GTA 3, are buying it because of the modding scene and actually playing these experiences they couldn't get in the base game. Most companies seem to understand, like, if they have modding support, most companies seem to understand that modding is what's there to actually keep your game alive after you stop adding content. Bethesda understands this very well. They understand this kind of too well where they release broken games and then leave it up to the modders to actually fix the game. But, like, Skyrim, for example... While Skyrim does have a lot of content, that game's been out for a very long time. The only reason people are still talking about Skyrim, though, is because the modding scene for that game is absolutely massive. Like, there are new mods coming out for that game every single day, and new experiences that just weren't possible in the base game, new experiences that weren't possible with the modding scene just a couple of years back. Bethesda understands this very well. They even provide things like modding tools that make it easy for this to happen but not all companies are like that and i guess i guess rockstar i guess rockstar is going to be like that like i can only imagine what would have happened with like modern rockstar if they acted the way that they're acting now back when uh gta san andreas online existed so i don't know if you n even know about this so back with um Back with San Andreas, there was a, there was basically a mod, uh, a mod you can have that lets you play San Andreas online, which is crazy. That game was only, I guess it was intended to let you do co-op, but it was never really intended to do online multiplayer and have like massive worlds. 
but you could and you could have like custom maps and do all this crazy stuff that you can do inside of uh inside of modern gta online you can have like different characters basically it's it's a mod that sort of spawned what exists as as gta online today if this didn't exist, I don't think GTA Online would have actually really been... Maybe it would have been a thing, but it certainly wouldn't have been a thing in the the same sort of extent that it is today. This sort of set the groundwork for what GTA, uh, what GTA Online sort of really could be. It's so cool that it exists, and man, I... <laughs> there's actually... There's still... Wait, what? There's still people playing it? Hold up. There's... 48,000 people playing it. Hold... That can't be correct. That is more than some modern games have that came out, like, last year. That is crazy. Wait, that means they're sure... There's surely still people actually doing videos on it. I have to check this. That number can't be correct. Uh, GTA SAMP. Uh, two years ago, four months ago, two months ago. Yeah, there's, there's, there's clearly some people still playing this. Wait, what is this? This is GTA San Andreas with just insane mods. I, I have to see how this game looks. That's that's base San Andreas. We all know how this game looks. It looks dated. Whoa! What the hell? <laughs> the car looks a little bit jank though. Uh that does doesn't look exactly like a uh, modern car. Um a, mo a modern car in a game. Oh, there's also motion blur. Why why did you add motion blur? That just makes the game look worse. What the hell? That looks that looks too good for San Andreas. That looks way way too good for this game. The other uh, roads are a bit sketch, but apart from that, let's look at this car. Oh my god. The also <laughs> these roads, like you can see the edges on the roads. Like, unless you update every single model in the game. Also, <laughs> wait. Okay, they clearly didn't redo the uh the shape of the mountain. <laughs> that looks so out of place with these high-res textures. Like that is just like a jagged mountain. Oh, wait, let's, no, don't show me, what the hell, like, when you have textures this high resolution, it makes the, like, low poly models look really out of place, because clearly in this, uh, in this mod pack this guy's set up, he doesn't update everything, just updates enough where, like, most of it looks better, but, like, like the I guess the buildings look fine. You can sort of do buildings on like fairly uh fairly low end systems. Like that one very jaggedy. Uh, that actually is a re redone sign. Uh let's see if we can find some other weird parts. Okay, that that <laughs> that's not a new texture right there. That's the original texture. There we go. That that's another part where it looks really out of place. Like you have this super high res car and then like this. <laughs> this is just, like, blur. This is what modding makes possible for games like this. Like, 
this is what's keeping a game like San Andreas alive. No one cares about... No one would care about San Andreas at this point. It's a very good game, but, like, everyone's played it. Three weeks ago... Uh, okay, no, that's... Is that... Yeah, no, that's um, GTA Online. Uh, not GTA... That's uh, SAMP. Oh, man. This kind of makes me want to go and actually play uh, SAMP. It really does. If there actually is a player base that does still exist, because I didn't actually get to experience playing it when I was young. I had, um, I had San Andreas on console, and, you know, obviously, yeah, obviously I, I couldn't play it then. But I did watch videos of people playing GTA SAMP, and it just looked awesome. I liked the idea of having these custom maps and being able to, like, do all these crazy jumps and all this awesome stuff that you just couldn't do in the, uh, the, the PS2 version. Maybe I need to actually check if that, uh, that 48,000 players actually is real. I find it hard to believe, but maybe. Maybe it is. <sighs> Plus, you know, being a, such a... Such an established, uh, established system, there is going to be a lot of content that exists. Obviously, there's a lot of content for GTA Online, but I... I, I can't imagine it's anywhere near the level of a game that has had... I don't even know how many years San Andreas has actually been out for. Way, way too many years at this point. Like, when did... When did that actually come out? GTA SA. Uh... That came out in 2004. Holy crap. So a game that's been out that long, there's just going to be so much content you can experience. And you'll probably never run out of content to actually play. And running a game like San Andreas can be done... I think you can probably even do it on a phone at this point. Uh, can modern phones do PS2 emulation? Uh, look, probably. Phone PS2 emulation. Well, there are ones available, but I don't know, like... Uh, what, like, where in, like, the product stack you'd actually need to be to, like, effectively run something. You could probably run early PS2 titles without any challenge. Like, the ones that came out just ar around launch. Um, but maybe some of the later ones you would struggle with a bit, like, the the ones towards the end, like, towards, like, the, the PS3 launch actually do look quite good. Uh, like, Shadow of the Colossus, for example, really does hold up today. Um... So maybe not that, but like the the early stuff you might be fine. Like some of like the the early early crash games that came out on the PS2 for example, you probably would be fine then. Or maybe some of the early Spyro stuff things like that. But ultimately like I have a computer, so I'm going to just emulate it on the computer. Speaking of emulation, if nothing else, the Steam Deck is going to be an absolute killer for emulation. I don't know how much it'll be able to em uh, how much it'll actually be able to emulate, but it's certainly going to thrash most things. And I might have to like go and maybe maybe I would install like uh I kind of want to install like a um. Like a like a, a a DS emulator. I know that a lot of games sort of 
gonna require like the, the the DS part, but like if you split that screen in half, and you have like one side being the top screen, the other side being the bottom screen, you might be able to actually get something fairly good out of that. I don't know. I just want to go back and play um, Kingdom Hearts 365 of two days, and that gives me a good enough reason to do so. I'm going to be doing it on stream, um, but I I don't know. It, I don't know if it's going to have the, the, the same sort of be the same sort of experience if I play the game with an actual controller rather than playing on a handheld. I don't know. As I, as I said, I'm I'm excited for the Steam Deck, even if I don't actually buy one. Um, but maybe I will buy one. Maybe you know, maybe I'll buy the Steam Deck when Steam Deck version two comes out. Let's say the Steam Deck becomes a massive, massive success, and Valve basically starts up a new product class. Handheld PC gaming actually becomes like a proper thing people care about. Maybe when, like, the next generation comes out, you buy, like, an older one, maybe a pre-owned one, that would be a really powerful emulation machine. Like, genuinely enough to crush most games. I don't know... I think that would do PS2 perfectly fine. PS3 is a bit weird because of the weird architecture. Um, and you may... if you Maybe if you, like, lower... Maybe you'd be able to do Switch, even. I don't know, like, how demanding Switch emulation is, um, but it, the Switch does use Vulkan, which is interesting, because that makes it fairly easy to, uh, to emulate on Linux. Uh, there is an emulator called Yuzu. I don't know how well it works. Um, maybe I'll have to test that out at some point. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. But we are closing in on two hours, so I think it's basically time to end off the uh end off the podcast. I am genuinely surprised that the lights that I'm using actually lasted the entire stream or the uh, the entire podcast because I actually didn't have them fully charged. And obviously as I said earlier, I recorded videos earlier in the day. Um so I, I sort of expected them to die or at least start dimming partway through the, uh, the, the thing, but they didn't. Um, I... What was the end of Next week? Next week is going to be the Cyan podcast, which I am very excited for. She's going to be a very fun guest. Um, yeah, so keep your eyes peeled for episode 75 of Take Over Tea. Uh, after that... I'm going to try to get a guest on. I, I know it's rare for me to have, like, different guests on and, like, new guests. I know Cyan I've had, like, in the works for a while. But, like, after Cyan, it's not just going to go straight back to, like, nothing but solo episodes. I'm going to try to get Unfur on. I feel like he'll do it. He shows my live streams occasionally. We talk on Mastodon occasionally. If I send him a message being like, yo, you want to come on the podcast? Hopefully he'll say yes. Uh, there's some other people I want to talk to as well. I will send them DMs and maybe we will start doing guest podcasts and having fun like that. I don't know. Uh, obviously there's people I can bring back as well. So that will be fun uh, as well. So, the channel that you should go check out today. Who should you check out? That is a good question. Um, 
Not IGN. <laughs> Definitely not IGN. I am going to say go check out. Mm, if you want to see... You want to see random Kingdom Hearts videos, go watch Stickman Sham. Only has uh, 43.7k subs, so still a relatively small channel. Um, but he actually shows some pretty cool stuff about Kingdom Hearts that I didn't know about, or stuff that, like, I didn't realize, like, how weirdly designed this game was. Uh, for example, there's, in the Thousand Heartless fight, if you stare at the ground, apparently all of the Heartless just spawn directly on top of you. And you can spare Magnega and everything dies. Obviously, you won't have it at that point, but if you, say, do a randomizer, yeah. Or, like, there's a rare reaction command that, like, apparently if Leon gets down during the, uh, the, the uh, Hollow Bastion fight where you protect the gate, there's a reaction command to bring him back up. Why that exists... I don't know. Have I ever seen it in actual gameplay? No. Will you ever see it in actual gameplay? No. You actually have to, like, force the game into a position where it's actually going to show you this. But yeah, here's really good videos, and I highly recommend checking out his channel. Um, yeah. So that's going to be pretty much everything for me. Uh, before I go... I would like to thank my supporters before my uh, my voice completely cuts out and I can no longer speak anymore. Hopefully we're fine by uh, by tomorrow uh, where I'm going to be recording uh, some more videos. Maybe we'll do two, maybe we'll do three, I don't know. Anyway, uh, a special thank you to Joachim, Donald, Logan, Michael, Andrew Mitchell, Nathan, David, Carl, Will, Brennan, Chico Bento, Jamie, Joseph, Josh, Michael, Peter D. Steven T. through Tony Tushar, and all of my $2 supporters. If you like to support work, the links down below to my Patreon, subscribe, sell, leave, pay, all that sort of stuff. I've got my podcast. I just realized that this is the... I was doing my main channel outro. That's not what I'm doing here. The podcast, as an audio form, is available basically on any audio podcast platform. Search for Take Over Tea and you will find it. The video version is available on YouTube and Odyssey comes out earlier on Odyssey, so if you want to see it before anyone else, go check that out. Uh, my main channel is Brody Robertson, where I do Linux videos, upload them six times a week, and this week, I guess, actually no, I can't say this week, because this is going to come out a week after these videos come out. Uh, when this comes out, there will be videos. What the videos are, I do not know. And I also have a gaming channel that is Brody Robertson Plays, where I live stream twice a week, and upload five or so YouTube shorts. So, I think that'll be everything for me. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know how to end this. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess I'm out or something. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, wah. End it now. <laughs>